Welcome to Conversation Mill. My name is Rebecca Dale and I am the host of the show. I have a passion for sharing how the creation of thriving local economies benefits us all. I'm fascinated by how we come together to form our communities on a macro and micro scale and how our histories and stories when shared can not only motivate and inspire, but can facilitate understanding. As our communities, large and small, bring back a more progressive Main Street, individuals are stepping out to pursue their passions and local leaders are pushing back against corporate greed. It's time to engage these community leaders and small business owners in conversation. What are the driving forces behind their courage and success and how can we continue to build communities that embrace diversity, support the local economy, and create a healthy ecosystem for the culture at large? Join us now in conversation. One topic of conversation that we have not covered as extensively as I have wanted to yet is local and state government. This includes everything from your city council or township government to mayors, state representatives, and senators, and the laws being enacted. One morning as I sat down with my coffee, I started to read a story in the Greenville Business Journal about something they were calling the SC Venue Crisis. I was instantly on fire to learn more after I read the article, and later that day, I brought it up with a friend as we enjoyed an art opening from a local artist. He turned to me and said, I'm friends with the people who started SC Venue Crisis. He put me in touch with Sheila, and this is the conversation that transpired. I cannot stress how important conversations like this are. If you want things to change, you have to let your voice be heard. And as you will hear us discuss, the downstream effects of knee-jerk legislation can often have dire consequences on hardworking Americans. But let's jump into this conversation, and if there's something similar happening in your state or where you live, please email me at chat at conversationmill.com so we can talk more about grassroots movements happening at the local and state level. So I guess let me start with this. What is your background and how did you become involved with SC Venue Crisis? Um, My background is television, which really has nothing to do with the SC Venue Crisis. (laughs) But um, because of my my television experience, I started out in like news production Mm. and then moved into um, more like promotions and commercial production. So I know how to like run a show. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how to produce video and I know how to do graphics and I know how to record audio and I know how to, to do the marketing that goes along with those things. So um, one of the things that I used to do is um, a, an event called Merck Mountain. We okay. would have like, um, I just called it a party in the woods, but um, some people called it a festival. And we did that mostly twice a year from like, 20, the end of 2013 into 2019. At some point, we started just doing it once a year because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's how I started getting involved in the music scene mm. and meeting people and, you know, just enjoying the music. From there, I went to Red Arrow Studio 
Um, I produced a live music video every Thursday night for a couple of years called Red Arrow, Red Arrow Concert Series. Um, so again, meeting lots of musicians, yeah. completely tied into the music scene. And my job was to go to shows. Mm-hmm. You know, my job was to meet people and and socialize and you know really get to know people and you know obviously you know try to solicit business for the studio, but what I really got out of it was a great community. Mm. And then I met my sweetheart, you know, Tony Pilot. He's the drummer for the Piedmont Boys. And um, he, like, he travels around the U.S. playing music. And, you know, he travels around South Carolina playing music. And it would be an absolute shame if mm. there weren't venues for people like him to play in. Yes. You know, we, we, me and Tony, you know, we go to shows and we are friends with bar owners and venue owners and restaurant owners. And, you know, these are our people. Mm -hmm. Like, this is our chosen family. This is our community or our tribe. And when Ken Tribble from Tribble's Bar and Grill started talking to me about, you know, how his liability insurance rates had just completely skyrocketed, I was like, why? Yeah. You know, I needed to know the details. You know, I had worked with him on multiple projects like music videos and live things. And then he and Ashton, Ashton Reed, who is another one of our key um, committee members, they were actually the co-hosts for me for the Upstate Music Awards this last year. Okay. So, you know, we had a really good working relationship. And, you know, I figured, you know, with the three of us, we could probably get something done. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've brought in other people, Edna Kate Ingold and um, Julie B. And then there's Lauren and Chris and Mary and, you know, some other folks who, you know, basically do anything we ask them to do. And they're like doing research and they're meeting people and they're finding information that we wouldn't have otherwise. So, you know, fortunately, we've built an awesome, awesome team and We've been traveling around the state, mm-hmm. you know, talking to people. Yeah. I just saw you guys were in the low country. You were in Charleston mm-hmm. the other day. The um, the town halls are going really well. Mm-hmm. We started doing two a week and quickly realized that that was just too taxing on us um, because we really don't have a lot of time to to do the back end kind of things mm-hmm. all the time. Um, Tribble, Ashton, and Lauren were in Charleston. They were there Monday of this week, and they did a an owners and vendors meeting mm-hmm. at two thirty at one venue, and then they did um like a town hall meeting at seven at another venue, and the turnout was amazing. That's awesome. You know, sometimes we have like eighty people in there, and sometimes we may have two, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people show up. I would rather have four or five people who are genuinely interested and fired up about the thing, yeah. and they will go out and talk about it, and they will do the research, and they will help connect us with other people and talk to other venue owners, mm-hmm. help us find out um, rates. You know, we're compiling a lot of information. Yeah, and you know, we're we're looking at you know bringing all of this to our legislators mm-hmm. and. And some of the town hall meetings, the legislators are showing up. Like they're always invited. Yeah. You know, we go to that area and their senator or their um, 
representative for that area, you know, somebody's going to invite them. Whether they show up, that's on them. Mm-hmm. But we want them to be at every single one of them so that they have a chance to say whatever they want to say. Mm-hmm. You know, some folks have told us that, you know, they voted for Bill 116, but they didn't fully realize what the result was going to be. The implication. Yeah. Can you share that with our listeners exactly what that bill S, it's S116. Mm-hmm. Um, that bill is the one that requires a million dollar liquor liability insurance or general liability insurance for any establishment that sells alcohol or sells and serves alcohol for consumption after 5 p.m. in the state of South Carolina. Hmm. Normally, a million dollars is not a big deal. Right. It, it's really not. You know, back in 2017, you know, the average rate could have been somewhere between five and six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But over the last few years, it's risen because insurance carriers are leaving South Carolina. I mean, it's like rats escaping from a sinking ship. Mm-hmm. And that tells everybody that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's taken a while for it to trickle down to where it is now. There used to be, you know, around two dozen insurance carriers that were doing business here. But now it's down to a handful. Wow. They don't want to do business in South Carolina because of our lax liability laws. But... If insurance carriers are spending or paying out $2 for every dollar that they take in, obviously mm-hmm. they're not making money. Exactly. And if they are a business. Mm-hmm. So if it's not profitable for them, then they're going to leave. Well, if there were around two dozen and now there's just a handful, that says a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we had um, the first town hall that was at Tribbles Bar and Grill in Piedmont. And that one, you know, a lot of people showed up. And we also had um, the vice president for governmental affairs for the South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association there. Okay. He was there to give everybody an overview of the situation because, like most people, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I really had no clue what I was getting into. Yeah. I was just like, let's make something happen. Yeah. You know, sort of like that crazy little thing. Hey, hold my beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> watch, hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> right. Right. We're learning yeah. as we go. And we've learned a lot. But Hank from the SRL, whatever, <laughs> South Carolina Restaurant Logic Association, Sclaro, something like that. Um, great guy. He he spoke to us for about 15 minutes. And, you know, he just told everybody the facts. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can't afford to do business here, they're going to leave. And that's what insurance carriers have done. The situation originally started, and it's a sad, sad situation. There was an accident. A drunk driver left a bar that was not insured. The bar itself was not insured. The bar was not insured. At all. No Had no liability. No... That's okay. what the articles have said. Wow. And I've pulled every single article I can find on and it. And it was just a, a bar. Um, the the article said rest? it was a club. Okay. So it was nightlife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the driver had no insurance. Mm. The bar had no insurance. And the person was, you know, intoxicated. The accident 
involved um, a police officer. Mm. The police officer se- had severe injuries and is still dealing. I mean, he will never be the same. Mm-hmm. The passenger in the car that hit the police officer passed away. Mm. It's a very, I mean, it's a very sad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the state or the town of Dillon had to pay, you know, all of those medical bills, everything else. The father of the officer, um, you know, got with the, I believe it was South Carolina Department of Justice, um, but he he, you know, went to work. Mm-hmm. Just like I would have done, right? You know, I right. mean, a some something needs to be done, mm-hmm. and that's where the million dollar liability policy came from. Gotcha. And like I said, normally million dollars is not a big deal. No, but because South Carolina's laws are written the way that they are, and there are so many ways to sue somebody. Because, yeah, because from what I understand, if, uh, and I'll just, you know, for the sake of this, not having to use somebody else, but if I go to a bar here close to my house and I have a drink and then I join up with some friends at another bar downtown Greenville and I have two more drinks and then I drive home and I hit somebody and kill them, each, both of those bars that I went to can be sued. Equally, for a million dollars. For a million dollars. It doesn't matter that I only had one drink, which probably would have put me within the legal limit. And when I had the drinks at the other bar is what put me over the edge, and then I chose to drive. Right. You said something very, very important. I chose to drive. Mm-hmm. It, It is a personal decision. And you know, the way everything is now, it takes out personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, people have to understand that bad things do happen. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that, you know, if you're if you're driving home and a cat ran out in front of you and that is what caused your accident, it would not have mattered because there was alcohol on your breath, which means that you were driving drunk. Right. You know, I mean, they would obviously mm-hmm. do breathalyzer and all that, but the situation is we're, we've taken away so much personal responsibility, and the law is its so slack or lax. Mm. And we have these plaintiff attorneys who are telling people that they will get them millions and millions and millions of dollars. Mm. You know, even if, you know, it may not have been such a bad situation. Right. The plaintiff attorneys... I don't hate all attorneys. I really, I don't hate all attorneys. Mm-hmm. Please don't think I do. But I have an issue with plaintiff attorneys writing our laws. Mm-hmm. I really do. And that's the situation with Bill 116. Mm. You know, the, if you have lawyer legislators going mm-hmm. in and creating the laws that they are going to use to prosecute someone later, that to me is a problem. It's um, lining your own pocket as well, because if you're going to prosecute some, if you're going to sue somebody, you're taking home a percentage of whatever you win for your client. 40 to 60 percent. Mm-hmm. So it's really not about the victim. No. If it's 40 
to 60% going to the attorney. And I understand people need to make money. And I understand people need to be paid for their pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. And goodness, absolutely knows, you know, medical bills. Yeah. That's outrageous. Like, I want people to be taken care of. But I also would like there to be caps on payouts for attorneys. Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of things that could potentially help this. Mm -hmm. Um, The South Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, they talked about one when they were in our town hall and they are working with um, the South Carolina coalition, coalition, sorry, South Carolina coalition for lawsuit reform Mm -hmm. and um, it's bill or it's act five, three, three. That's the South Carolina justice act. And that would put, it assigns percentage of fault. Mm -hmm. So in your scenario, the first place you went and had one drink, their percentage of fault would be minimal. And the second place would be the maximum percentage of fault. Mm. But the way everything is right now, even if you have 1% potential fault, you could equally be sued for a million dollars. Which is just unimaginable that you could serve brunch to somebody. And they have a mimosa, and then they go to three more bars, bar hopping with friends, mm-hmm. and again, choose to get in the car. In that first place, that was just so- serving them a mimosa with a donut or something, yeah. is going to be equally as liable as any place, or almost that any place that didn't knowingly overserve somebody is going to be liable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's a huge issue. Um, knowingly overserve. That's that's a good phrase. Um, the South Carolina Save Our Venues Act that was presented in June. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, they're going to look at it in January. Um, it talks about the bartender having to knowingly serve someone who's visibly intoxicated and that drink having to be the proximate cause of death or injury Mm -hmm. for that venue, bar, restaurant, establishment, whatever you want to call it, to be liable. Mm. That's It's written in a way that um, is very similar to something that happened in Alabama. Alabama passed a law um, that was actually pushed by the the retail association and Mm. you know part of that was you know someone would have to knowingly serve someone who was physically intoxicated Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of people are are talking lately where we hear the words or the phrase overserved yeah most of the bartenders servers bar owners venue owners they will cut somebody off in a heartbeat sure yeah i mean it it needs to be done. Yeah. Because when people are having a good time and they're not paying attention and then, you know, those drinks kind of sneak up on them, somebody has to be paying attention. Mm-hmm. But bartenders have a lot going on, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they are there to work, not babysit. Right. So it also goes into, again, personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, we encourage every single restaurant, bar, venue, whatever you want to call them, Make sure your cameras are working. Mm-hmm. Like get the the ID scanner. You know, make sure that 
you know, you yeah. have proof of who's doing what. You know, we've actually been sent photos and we've been taking photos of you know, mini bottles in parking lots mm-hmm. and pill bottles in parking lots mm-hmm. or even in a bathroom. You know, you don't know what somebody's doing that has nothing to do with your Vini. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because, um, I mean, I've been to a ton of venues where you see exactly what we said, mini bottles, sometimes even larger bottles, syringes, all sorts of things. And yeah. like you, you don't know who's showing up for just one drink to your venue or who's doing something in the parking lot so they don't have to spend money inside of your venue. Right. Or who's doing what in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know, you also don't know, you know who has a medical condition mm-hmm. and really shouldn't be drinking. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to interact with some medication that they're taking. Yeah. Or maybe somebody took some something that's recreational before they got there and it just kicks in later. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many factors that, you know, we can't be responsible for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some folks, like, we have been told that there are some legislators who would be absolutely fine if South Carolina was completely dry state. <laughs> but that would hurt I'm our sure. economy. <laughs> very, very much so. And not just here in the upstate, but down in Myrtle Beach and Hilton Head and Charleston. Charleston and Think about Columbia yeah. on game day. Mm-hmm. Right? There little five points right around in there. Mm-hmm. And I read an article recently that said um, South Carolina had a record year for tourism. Mm-hmm hospitality 29 billion dollars yeah billion yeah so people aren't just coming to greenville to to hike the swamp rabbit trail (laughs) right and they're not coming just to walk on the bridge right our restaurants and Mm -hmm. our you know smaller music venues you know because the well is great yeah it's lovely you know but there are so many Bands, yeah, that cannot play big spaces. Mm-hmm. They're fabulous bands, but they don't have the, that kind of following. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some bands that come through that you know they can't play the Foundry. I think that's like twelve hundred capacity, something like that. Yeah, that's just a block up from yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, they can't they can't pack that out. Yeah, they can't even pack out. You know, um, the Spinning Jenny, and that's mm-hmm. a six fifty capacity. Mm-hmm. They can pack out Radio Room though. Yeah, right. Yeah, or Doc's mm-hmm. Tavern or mm-hmm. Tribbles. And mm-hmm. the crowd that goes there, mm-hmm. that crowd's going to love them. Yeah. You know, and they're going to bring them back. And with touring bands, you know, they don't make a whole lot of money. No, no. You know, I mean, they really don't. It's They do it because they want to get further with their careers. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it. In order to meet people and to gain fans and sell your merch. And yeah. and it's just part of the business. Yeah. We don't want South Carolina to become a dead state, Mm-mm. like a black hole for for entertainment and music. Mm-mm. And we also don't want, you know, the bigger places to only, I mean, we don't want it to be homogenized. Right. I think you make, I mean, there's, there's so much to... Um, to dig into what you're saying, but one of the things that that I just love that you said is about these bigger venues. 
while it's great to have, I love that we have the Peace Center here and we can get some Broadway shows and we can get big names in, right? That's great. Um, some of these other, I think there's another venue, True Line, coming in that's supposed to be a big venue with multiple stages. Cool, right? But there's nothing like going out on a date night, not having to get dressed up, throwing on jeans and a t-shirt, casual, going into a bar with a show already going and the community vibe that you feel there Mm -hmm. or meeting up with your friends there um, who have seen a band that you haven't seen before and it's local and they know people in the band. And so now you're more invested in the music and and you have a couple of drinks and you Uber home with your friends or whatever, right? Like that vibe, you can't do that. You can't just walk into the Peace Center. You can't just walk into, you know, these, these bigger venues without a ticket and that, you know, you have fees on top of that ticket because it's a huge venue and they have huge overhead, right? But you can go to some of these smaller venues here and either walk in the door for free or walk in the door for 10 or 20 bucks yep. and drink. And the drinks aren't $15 a piece. They're 10 or 8 But we're not going to be able to do that. One, the costs for those bar owners is going to make it so that they have to mark up the drinks oh, yeah. way more than what they're doing. And the food. And, and the, food. the tickets. Yep. And the merch. And if they didn't have a, a fee at the door, now they're going to have a fee at the door to cover. Yep. There's just so many things that it affects. So that's exactly it. Like these great venues are great. And there it's great to go drop a couple hundred bucks to see a show at the Peace Center every once in a while. But we, those of us who love live music or just love going out and having music in the background or just love going out to a, a bar that we love – and hanging out with friends, right? we can't afford to drop $100 on a couple of drinks and one getting into the door every weekend if that's, no, like you mentioned, that's our tribe. Those music people, those, those venue people might be our tribe. Mm-hmm. And sure, they, these places can jack up the cost, but then who can come and afford it? Um, not us. Yeah. Not most people. Mm-mm. You know, when um, when we had the town hall down in Charleston at the Frothy Beard Brewing Company, um, the owner for the Tattooed Moose um, <laughs> was interviewed by um, Live 5, the TV station that, that was there. And, you know, she, she told him flat out, she goes, look, we want, we just want these venues to stay open. We mm-hmm. want these businesses to stay open. And, you know, if their rates go up, they're obviously going to have to pass those costs on to the customers, Yep. just like you said. And they may not be talking about it, but, you know, their customers are going to be bitching about it. Yeah. You know, we don't even know how many establishments are suffering right now because so many of them aren't saying anything. Mm. A lot of them haven't gotten their renewal gotcha. policy rate yet. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Um, when they get their liquor liability insurance, um, in order to get their, their alcohol license, they have to have a policy. Sure. So when that policy comes up for renewal, that's when they, they're getting the sticker shock. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they may have, you know, here you have like 60 days or 30 days. And, you know, if it goes from like one place that told us, you know, 2017, it was $3,200. Mm-hmm. 
And then this year it was 35,000. That's a huge jump. That's a huge jump. Right. Roddy's in Woodruff. Mm -hmm. um, Talked to Yana, the owner, and she had clothes. She said it just didn't make sense. It was it it was not practical. And I think from my notes, they didn't even have any claims. No, the majority of these people don't have claims. Yeah, because I was going to say it makes sense to me. I've been in business and I've worked with multiple businesses. I've been a chief operating officer in my past. And so I've gotten insurance quotes and we've had million dollar policies. I've also worked for companies that had to pay out million dollars on an insurance claim. And... You know, waiting, knowing like, okay, well, we had a huge claim or we have a lot of claims. I worked in the fitness industry. You get a lot of claims just because people hurt themselves in the gym. It is, you know, it is what it is that people overextend or whatever. But to not have any claims on top of these increases, I mean, that's just like kicking someone when they're down is like, hey, you've done a really good job of not overserving people. You've done a great job of having a safe environment and no fights and no this and that. But you're still going to go from, I think I wrote down here, this was on your website. <clears throat> they went from 3,000 to, yeah, 25,000 mm-hmm. in like three years. Yeah. That's good. That's, and another one was uh, South Bend Winery that just closed down too. Um, They actually Did, found some insurance. Oh, good. Okay, good. They, yep, they they were able to get something. I need to make that up. Good. Um, I saw her on there talking about it. She and I were both in tears. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, both of us were teary-eyed while she was talking about it because her whole family works there. Yeah. You know, she's, she's a mom, her husband, like he quit his job and invested in that property and that business. And, you know, her her heart was hurting and my heart was hurting for her. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they were able to to find some insurance to get them through this next year, but a lot of places won't. Mm-hmm. Are there, and maybe this isn't a good question to answer, but are there loopholes? Is there loopholes for restaurants that are serving liquor after 5 p.m. that have a, they obviously have to have a liquor license if they're doing that, but they're also a restaurant, right? So they're probably, I mean, I don't know what percentage of their sales are food versus liquor, but even if you're a restaurant, probably a majority of your profit margin at least is coming from liquor. According to South Carolina law, um, any place that serves liquor, alcohol, um, has to serve food. Oh, has okay. To. So it does. Okay. Has so that's to. not really a... It helps though. It, uh, it With your insurance costs. Right. It does mm-hmm. help. Now, a restaurant that is, you know, their business model is to be a restaurant, mm-hmm. um, and they happen to serve alcohol. Um, their rates aren't as bad because it's primarily food. They look at um, the revenue. Gotcha. You know, what percentage comes from food? What percentage comes from alcohol? Which I I, I understand. However, <laughs> I think any of us who in vibe in alcohol on occasion would say we can get just as intoxicated at a, as a re, at a restaurant as we can at a concert hall yeah. or at a at a bar with a stage i mean there's no mm-hmm. yeah. really that radical of a difference no and it also goes to personal responsibility exactly, exactly. i mean it and I, it just comes back to that so many times mhm 
Now there's, um, there are some businesses that are affected by this, even if they don't sell alcohol. Okay. Like food trucks. I was going to add that. That's so funny that you say that. Cause I was actually having that conversation with my partner this morning. I was like, you know, the other thing that uh, lawmakers didn't consider or, you know, that maybe people aren't thinking about is that's one of the fun parts of going to some of these wineries or some of these breweries or these venues. We were like, oh, cool. They're having three different food trucks. Right. And like, you know, we chase around different food trucks when we see them somewhere. And cool. What are we going to be able to have? Like, w- w- yeah. And so it's not just the livelihood of the bands playing the venue, the, the owners, the bartenders, the dishwashers, the guy at the door, whoever you have employed for the actual venue, Mm -hmm. but it's all those auxiliary services, whether they do a pop-up or a food truck. (sighs) Yeah. And it's also the people who come in and clean, um, Mm. clean the place. Mm -hmm. It's also um, the person who sells them their beer, wine, or liquor. It's also the person who provides the food if they do prepare it on site. Mm -hmm. It's the person who um, repairs the coolers, you know? Such a good, that's like, it's so many people. So So many people are involved. Mm -hmm. And let's say a a business does close. What's going to go in it? Right. Because at this point, if the carriers are signing very few new policies, you know, it it can't be, well, it, the likelihood of it being another entertainment space mm. that serves alcohol is slim. Yeah. So, you know, think about so many different things that go into it. And I do want everybody to know that we have chosen to to focus on like music venues and bars and restaurants and that mm. sort of thing. But South Carolina's liability laws, hmm. like we need to, we really need to focus like at the highest level right. so that every business mm-hmm. and every person in South Carolina will be safer from, mm-hmm. you know, the Sue happy, yeah. you know, situations. Did you know that like if you guys have a party here, probably should get event insurance oh, at your house. Because if somebody leaves your house and they have an accident, the victim of that accident can Can sue you you because you let somebody leave your house Mm. in an intoxicated state. Oh, my goodness. It's everywhere. Um, And it's not just alcohol. Obviously, alcohol is like a huge part of what we're focusing on. Mm -hmm. But it's liability insurance in general. You Mm -hmm. know, the Tracking Association for South Carolina They've been working on this uh-huh. for their own purposes. Like like I was saying that in um, Alabama, it was the retail association that pushed it. Like, Sure, yeah. The liability laws are the problem, mm-hmm. and we have to get the laws changed. Mm-hmm. So you guys are working on getting this through to state lawmakers. They're out of session right now. Probably not a high odds that they governor will call a special session to address this oh no so if these venues these bars start getting renewal notices between now and what is it january that they're back Mm -hmm. how many potential 
businesses are we talking that are going to have that sticker shock and maybe not be able to afford that insurance? Or if they do, it's going to be extremely taxing. Like, what do you think, if you had to guess, that number would be? I did a Google search the other day for how many bars are in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it could be accurate because it said there's like 400 and something. Oh, yeah. There's got to be 400 just in (laughs) upstate. Right, right. But, you know, I need to look into like their definition of a bar. Mm -hmm. Um, But the number of businesses that will be affected by this have to be, if not hundreds, thousands. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just bars. Right. It's not just music venues. It's not just restaurants. Mm-hmm. Liability insurance is going up across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in medical, it's in trucking, it's in retail, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in our vehicles. Yeah. Like right. insurance is going up because mm-hmm. of the way the laws are written. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, what we're trying to do is talk to the legislators. We we have a meeting coming up with um, Stuart Jones, who is the one who um, he and Thomas Beach put together the um, the South Carolina Save Our Venues Act. Mm. Um, and, you know, Tribble is talking to other bar venue restaurant owners to come up with their pain points, mm-hmm. you know, and their suggestions. Because Whatever is done needs to be worded in a way that's going to be good for South Carolina. Right. And all of its citizens. It can't just be a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, things are going to happen. It's just probably not going to happen fast enough. Mm-hmm. Because there's already been some local venues that have closed down because of this. You mentioned... uh Roddy's, mm-hmm. but also uh, uh, who else falls in there? Smiley's. Smiley's falls in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Powdersville Pups falls in there. Mm. Um, there are some places in the lower part of the state. And like I said, I like we've been asking people in our Facebook group, like if you know of a venue mm-hmm. that is either struggling right now or has closed, please let us know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people just don't talk about it, whether it's pride or I don't I don't know. They're just not talking about it. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that everybody in the state of South Carolina knows, like, we're trying to do something, mm-hmm. but we need help. Like, yeah. we need people to call the governor's office, send him an old-fashioned letter, mm-hmm. send an email. Um, Try to get a face-to-face meeting. Um, If you know somebody who is in the political scene, talk to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and make connections. Help us make connections. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are really good at, hey, by the way, you should talk to so-and-so. And, hey, you should do this. And have you thought about that? And I'm like, whew. I'm a little bit tired right now. There's only so many hours in the day. There are only so many hours in the day. And we love all of the select or suggestions, but we also love it when people are like, hey, by the way, I went ahead and talked to this person and they're really interested in helping. Mm-hmm. So I gave them your contact info. That's the sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, by the way, um, here's a venue. We found out that, you know, they're struggling. These are their rates and they're going to do a testimonial for you mm. and they're going to talk to their re- representatives. I'm like, 
thank you. That's awesome. Because the more angles we come at them from, the mm-hmm. more likely it is that they're going to feel the pressure yeah. and they're going to act sooner than later. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question to back up all the way back to that original 2017 law, S-116. When that was passed, did that go up for a, a, a state vote or was that just like the people of South Carolina did not get to vote on that? That was just introduced to the House of Representatives and then passed by the state mm-hmm. Senate, correct? Yep. 85 oh. voted yay, 5 voted nay. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it just, I, I'm really passionate about local government and being involved on the local level because this is the kind of stuff that happens without the downstream consequences being thought about. Mm-hmm. And it seems, I, I don't even know what word to describe it, that 85 would vote yay with that, which means maybe only five really thought about the downstream consequences or I understand that it was a police officer that was injured that sort of kicked off this push so I could see how that could be a very sensitive thing and for sure that bar should have had liability that driver should have had insurance so there's you know some things there that obviously should have been in place however it kind of terrifies me that our lawmakers are not spending enough time going, if this, then what? Like, right. what's the what's the best outcome if this law is passed? And what are some of the worst outcomes if this law is passed? Because we know that everything has such a cause and effect and such a downstream. If you, anytime one business closes, so many jobs are affected that you'll never see or think about, even to the landlord that owns the property that right. now can't cover rent of that building or mortgage of that building because that rent's gone. So there's no winners in closing down a venue. No. And even the insurance companies, I would think, would go, well, if it does turn into a dry state or dry or just dry counties, that's less business for them too. So it really doesn't even benefit them to have to charge these exorbitant rates because eventually no one's going to be able to afford those exorbitant rates. Yeah. And so it's going to affect the insurance companies as well. So I guess I just, there's so much there that um, makes me really wonder about, you know, not only this bill, but a lot of the different bills that get passed. Like who's paying attention? Yeah. And how is it getting done? Mm -hmm. And why is it getting done? Yeah. Yeah. And who are the, I mean, we, you know, we know that this as Americans from a national level, I think we're all pretty aware that like lobbyists pretty much make our policy because, you know, they make sure their companies donate to the right candidates and those things. And I don't think we think about those kind of things on the state level as much or like what, I think we should, what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really, really should. Mm-hmm. Um when we started this, we were told that we needed to get a lobbyist and we needed an attorney. Hmm. Well, we set up a, a call with a PR firm. They did a lobbying mm-hmm. and they know the right people to talk to and they know all the right things to say. Mm-hmm. Well, they could say that for 15 grand a month for six months mm-hmm. minimum. Mm-hmm. Like if I had 15 grand a month, 
I would quit my job and this would be my full-time job. Right. Right. You know, I mean, seriously, yeah. it yeah. would. Um, we are, we are not there. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a little grassroots committee trying to change our state. Yeah. But we have met with one representative who said, you do not need a lobbyist. You need people who are passionate and you need a large number of people who are passionate. And when you start sending them phone calls and letters and emails and making sure that they know that you are their constituent and you are the one who votes them in or votes them out, mm-hmm. you have power. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we don't have term limits in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we seriously need them. Yeah. Because there are people in power who've been there a really long time. Yeah. And the way that they do business probably is not good for South Carolina. No. No. Yeah. It, it doesn't even matter. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's, it, sh- it, sh- it should hopefully be obvious to most people, but it's also just not a good, and I was trying to think of a good analogy for it, but it's, I mean, it's it's anything, right? If you If you just as a human being never change how you do something, whether it's, you never get a new car. You never upgrade your car. You never clean out your air ducts in your house. There's consequences. Mm-hmm. It might be really great for a long time. You men- might never notice it. But then all of a sudden you're like, why did my AC break down in the middle of summer? I've never cleaned out my AC. I've never had someone check up on it. I've never changed the way I do this. It's the same way with government. If you just have one person in there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Which is ridiculous. Uh, which is insane. Um, it's the same concept. It's not good. Something's, something's happening there that's not, in my opinion, not right. It's stagnant. Mm-hmm. And they have power plays. And, you know, everybody knows that, well, this won't happen because the person over whatever committee, yeah, they're not going to go for that. So, yeah, we may as well not even just put it out there. Mm-hmm. And and, and <laughs> lest we forget, um, these uh, all of these individuals are elected by us and right. they're supposed to be representing the majority voices of the people that they represent and what's best for their community. Now, if they think the majority is wrong, they can come down to the upstate, the low country, wherever they represent and go, hey, this is what I think is in the best interest. Let me show you why. And then we can still make up our minds, right? But I think these people forget that it's not about what they think or what their opinion on an issue is. It's what their constituents needs and wants and cries for help are not necessarily what they're or what fills their pockets or what fill definitely not what fills their pockets how can you already mentioned calling your lawmakers emailing writing them making sure your voice is heard but how else can people listening help print off our town hall script it gives way more information than anybody wants to know mm-hmm. about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, print that off. Read it. Read it again. That way you can talk to people about it and you can speak knowledgeably about the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Another thing is when you go out, talk to people. Yeah. Like ask questions. Like get out of your comfort zone a little bit if mm-hmm. you want that place to still exist. Yeah. Um, on our link tree, our website, um, I've put on there not only the the town hall script, mm-hmm. um, there's there are PDFs where people can download posters and flyers. You know, we've printed them on yellow paper. Ideally, people will print them on yellow paper just because they stand out more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those will, they're eye-catching that way. But, you know, print them out. They're eight and a half by 11, so you can print them out at your house. Mm-hmm. Or you can send them to your favorite, you know, little mom and pop print shop. Um, there are stickers that people can download. One yeah. of them is the same size as a modern smartphone. Mm. So, you know, we're asking like venues to put those on their front door. I have one on the back window of my car. Mm-hmm. Um, put them in the bathroom of the venue. Mm-hmm. You know, ask the owner, hey, by the way, have you have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if we put this poster up in the bathroom or by the door or somewhere near the stage or something? Yeah. Um, if if you happen to be a performer, print them out. Yeah. You know, have them in your gear bag. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's going to know about this if we don't speak up. We've mm-hmm. got to speak up and stand up and show up for for our people and our tribe and really our economy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is a it's a serious issue for our economy. Yes. Yeah. And like you mentioned with the liability laws, even if it's not affecting your industry right now, it could be coming for your industry. Whatever it yeah. is, whatever your business is, wherever you fall in line. They're going to get that money somewhere. Mm-hmm. And think about taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have the exact numbers right now, but I spoke to the um, Greenville legislative delegation um, a few weeks ago. And just in Greenville alone, the tax dollars that come from tourism or mm-hmm. hospitality in Greenville County alone, it's one in nine jobs, hospitality. Phew. Yeah. You know, and that could be a hotel, a restaurant, a bar, a venue. You know, it could be mm-hmm. the person who is the doorman. I mean, it could be anybody. It yeah. could be the little lady who is, you know, you know, cleaning the room in a hotel, but it's still hospitality. Yep. And the fact that South Carolina thrives so much on tourism and hospitality, mm-hmm. it's going to affect all of us. I looked at the the revenue sheet for South Carolina for last year. Yeah. And just the numbers that they've got it split out between beer and wine. Mm-hmm. And then they've got it um, liquor. And then they've got admissions tax. Okay. So any place that um, basically sells a ticket to get in, mm-hmm. you're going to have to have an admissions tax. Yeah. Like we are taxed to death already. Yeah. yeah. But our state, they're expecting that money to continue. Yeah. So if they're not making as much money in taxes because, you know, bars, venues, restaurants close, mm-hmm. where's, where's tax money going to come from? Yeah. I, there's so many things that as you're talking that are just going through my mind again, it's that like that, that trickle down effect of all the things that it, that it affects. Because even if this law is reversed or another law is enacted that, that overrides and we have more insurance companies come back into the state it still doesn't save smileys. It still doesn't save the people that close in between that. It doesn't put money back in their pocket that they spent because maybe they went, dang, it went from 
5,000 to 60 grand, and I had to pay that for two years until this law was changed, or three years or four years. Yeah, they're not going to get They're it not going to get that money back. I mean, there's some numbers here between 25,000 to 60,000 annually. That's it. That's they don't get that money back. And so they have to work to make that up somewhere else, whether that's increased costs or whatever it is. But that that's super frustrating, too. Yep. And, you know, some of the places just in order to pay the extra amount have had to let people go, mm-hmm. even if they weren't closing mm-hmm. just to make the bill. They had to let people go. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, we're suffering and we have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad that um, I got to sit down with you and have this conversation because, uh, like I said, I've really been wanting to talk more about local government on this podcast and have these conversations. Unfortunately, it has to be over something that's going horribly wrong um, and that could have lasting impacts for a lot of people. Um, And one thing that you had mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about um, South Bend Winery, and like you mentioned, luckily they found insurance, but that hurt of potentially losing their business and everything that's invested into that, not just monetarily, not just forget that they might have a small business loan that they still have to pay off if they close. And for a lot of these places, I'm sure it's the same because it's not cheap to open a a venue. So besides that, they put their heart and soul into this. They had a dream and a vision that they were executing on until this. That's completely out of their control. So just that emotionality and the, you know, I, I hate to use the word like trauma and make it sound that uh, dire, no, but, distressing. It, but it is, it's yeah. super distressing to to know that you did everything right. right. And you're being punished. Yeah. And yeah. so it's even just from a, a, almost a mental health perspective, it's, um, you know, Small business owners are have always been the backbone of America and the American dream. And little by little, we're losing that. And we're losing that ability for anybody to achieve the American dream when we tax them as, as much as we do, like you mentioned, but then also allow laws to be passed that put the small business owner in jeopardy like this. Um, so... You know, regardless of of what a listener might think of lawmakers, or or even what a lawmaker listening to this might think, like, oh, they don't know what it's like to be a we lawmaker. Don't, we we don't, don't know what it's like. Yeah, we really don't. No. And and I do want to say, like, anybody who is contacting your lawmakers, yeah, like, I genuinely believe the majority of them want, yeah, to do I was gonna the ask right you, thing. You, yeah, I, I truly do. Mm-hmm. And like I said, with. When Bill 116 was passed, I firmly believe that most of the legislators Mm -hmm. had, you know, good things in their heart. They want the best for South Carolina. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be there. My fingers are crossed that that's true. Yeah. But we have to be respectful when we're talking to them. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, so, you know, ask them to please address this thing. Mm-hmm. Ask them to look into it. You're probably going to get a form letter back. You know, I I know that. Yeah. I acknowledge that. But please don't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. And you know, just 
be nice, be honest. Um, if, if anyone is a business owner, um, contact them and tell them your story, tell them Mm -hmm. how you're going to be affected by this. And that goes for everyone, not just business owners, contact your legislators, tell them how you are going to be affected or how you are affected. Yeah. Because this is a, this is, this is something that could really, really have a terrible effect on our entire state. Let me ask you, and I, I didn't prep you for this question, so I apologize um, because we did this kind of fast. But on this show, at the end of every episode, I ask our guest if they could sit down and have a conversation with someone living or dead like we did today, who would you like to sit down with and talk to? And it doesn't have to be related to this topic, but just in in your life, who would you like to have the opportunity to sit with and talk to? I would like to sit down with my mom one more time. Mm. Yeah, because I I would like to um, just have her around for another minute and get some more of her stories from when she was younger. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing everything that's going on with um, SC Venue Crisis. And we'll make sure that we link in the show notes to everything and start spreading the word. And um, I really appreciate you being kind of our first guest to bring local politics and local government to the forefront on this podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, Please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com, where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support.